Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. I'm Matt Spiegel, and I'm the host of the brand new podcast, Beat the Streak Daily. Every weekday this Major League season, I will update the state of Beat the Streak. The rules are simple. Each day, pick one or two players you think will get a hit. And if they do, your streak continues. Sounds doable, right? But so far, it's been impossible to win. And with millions of dollars on the line, no one has ever gotten to 56. Subscribe now to Beat the Streak Daily, wherever you get your podcasts, and play Beat the Streak for your chance to win $5.6 million. Bradford Show. That's my open. That's what they used to call me. Swivel hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Noah Song. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm good. Yeah. Congrats. First podcast. First. <laughs> I feel honored. I feel kind of honored because you can go on to great things. You could go to the Baseball Hall of Fame, but you always remember your first podcast, right? Absolutely. Yes. All right. Stop right there. Before we get going, I want to set the scene. That voice that you heard to begin the Bradfoe show that you did not recognize belonged to Red Sox prospect Noah's song. I sat down with Noah. Noah, in case you don't know, may be the best story so far from this Red Sox draft class. It's one of the best stories in the Red Sox organization so far. He was the fourth-round pick of the Red Sox, the last pick in the fourth round, the highest pick ever from the Naval Academy. He is tearing it up in Lowell. As we sit here right now, six games, six appearances, he's giving up just one run over 14 innings. That's 17 strikeouts, just four walks. I don't know if you know that, but all of that is very, very good. And it should be no surprise because this is a Golden Spikes finalist. I mean, basically, you have Noah, who was drafted in the fourth round, and the rest of the Golden Spikes finalists were all top five picks in the first round. So to give you an idea of the level of pitcher, the level of player that we're talking about, that's what we're talking about. So why did I go up to Lowell? Why did I go up to Lowell to talk to a fourth-round pick? Because, number one, he's doing really well. He's doing probably he, – he's separating himself from everybody else. That's just how it is right now. Early in his career, it is what it is. We're jumping on that train. Second of all, it's a great story. It's We titled this podcast The Legend of Noah Song, and he deserves it. Because not only because he's doing well, but because of the guy that he is, the human being that he is, the person that he has become, how he got to this point. In case you don't know this story, Noah Song went to the Naval Academy. He's a kid from California, went to the Naval Academy. All he wanted to do was be in the Navy. All he wanted to do was fly some planes. 
ultimately. So he goes to the Naval Academy. All of a sudden, toward the end of his career, he comes back to school after playing the Cape, and boom, there it is. Velocity's up from 90 to 95, 96. His breaking ball's better. Everything's coming together. He ends up leading the nation in strikeouts. And so he's going through his senior year, and all of a sudden now they're talking about getting drafted. He didn't know where he was going to be drafted. He could have been drafted, not drafted at all. Why? Because of the naval commitments. We know how this works. In case you don't know how it works, he has a commitment to the Navy that he has to fulfill. There's loopholes. There's rules changes. There's other people who basically have been able to play professional sports to get out of this. Or not get out of it, but basically get commit yourself to the Navy in other ways or to the military in other ways. Why playing professional sports? But... There was nothing arranged for this kid, nothing arranged when he was drafted by the Red Sox in the fourth round to suggest that he's absolutely going to get a path to the major leagues and not have to fulfill his naval commitments. Well, here's the thing. You sit down with Noah Song, one thing you learn, he said, based his quote, I have two plan A's. And this isn't an inconvenience. This is not an inconvenience at all. I have two plan A's. If it works out with baseball, great. If it doesn't, that's okay with him too because his dream, his other dream, is to be in the Navy, is to be in the naval air, to be more specific. It, that is, it would, to hear him talk about this, to hear him talk about his passion for the Navy, his military service, service and not say, Hey, you know what? I hope I really hope that they pass this law or I really hope I get this waiver so I can play professional baseball. He wasn't about that at all. If it worked out, it worked out. That's what I took away from this conversation with Noah. And I went up to the last year park. I had a conversation with it. Some of it, I got to be honest with you, technology was not my friend in this. Some of it get wiped out. We got a good five minutes. I thought pretty good stuff from Noah and caught the spirit of the thing let's say that then i went to talk to his pitching coach and lowell nick green talked to the red sox director of amateur scouting mike rickard so i think that we got a really really good picture of what this kid is all about i mean it, it really is a good story it's a good podcast it's a good story you know some of it like i said some of it i'm just gonna have to explain to you in terms of this is what he said, or that's what he said. Some of it's going to, the picture is going to have to be painted by the pitching coach, the scouting director. That's just how it is. But it, it, what you're going to come away from this story and listening to these people is you're going to come away with an appreciation for a unique situation. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, part of the unique situation, which he mentions, obviously, is you know, he wants to be. A, a pilot so i immediately said oh like top gun like well you say i can't be i can't be a fighter pilot i can't just have my own jet i'm too tall and i'm like too tall what are you talking about you know this tall pilots so he's six four there's other six four pilots well it turns out in april he was measured for this and it's not how tall you are, but how tall your torso is. And evidently, he's just a couple centimeters. His torso, not his, not his actual height, his torso is just a couple centimeters too tall to be a fighter pilot. So he would have to be in a bigger type of plane. That's just one of the obstacles I guess he would have to overcome. 
But why he's talking about this, why he's explaining, you know, that was a bad day because he found out that he couldn't do this, this dream of his, and or or he's talking about the the hoops that he's going to have to jump through, or the, the, how he's basically going to have to play professional baseball with the Lowell Spinners, and then on November first go down to Pensacola to start his other life with the Navy. When he's talking about this, there's no regret. There's no sadness. There's only excitement in this kid. And and really, he's just an impressive, impressive guy. And that's why we wanted to do a podcast with him. So I think first thing we should do is we'll listen for, uh, to Mike Rickard, uh, amateur scouting director, has done a great job the last few years. And let Mike sort of explain the scouting process that went into – uh, how they how they identified or how they saw this kid who really wasn't on a lot of people's radar. One of the things that Noah had talked about was that he had no idea where he was going to go in the draft. He only had worked out with the Padres. So he go, oh, maybe the Padres will draft me because that's the only park that he went to. He didn't go to Fenway. But then the Red Sox came in and they drafted in the fourth round. And as Mike will explain, you know, this was a steal for them. There was absolutely a steal for them. We get it. We know why that maybe he slid so far because of the naval commitment. But whatever it is, it was clearly, clearly worth the risk. But let me let me give you Mike Rickard to explain exactly how that process unfolded. Well, Mike, the uh, I was just saying to you that that I went to get a chance to talk to Noah and. and you know he is really he is not your normal kid i guess when it comes to when it comes to baseball players when it comes to kids just out of college and that's not a slight on any kid out of college you see a lot of them but you know, this is this kid's cut from a different cloth huh yeah he is uh, his level of maturity um just kind of seems to be at a uh, little bit of a different level um and one of the things that Reed Grignani, our scout there, that uh, got to know him so well during his time at the Naval Academy, noted right from the onset was just what a, you know, what a mature um, and determined and just all those, you know, real high-ranking character attributes that um, that we value. It's, it's always, you know, we certainly focused on bringing talent you know, most importantly into the organization, but it's a, it's a big part of our overall assessment when we can bring people in that are, you know, such high character individuals as well. And we certainly feel Noah is that. So, Well, you know, Mike, it's, it's, I talked a little bit about his progression and, and I had read some about it. This is a kid who obviously, you know, he was really, really focused and, and, Focused on on his college life, focused on his career, focused on a career not in really in baseball, but focused on just being him. And then he goes to the Cape League and seems to turn a little bit of a corner there. And then all of a sudden he shows up and he's throwing harder. His stuff is better. If you can just remember sort of the scouting process from your perspective, uh, how that unfolded in regards to Noah. Yeah, I mean, certainly um, a lot of that, and, and that does happen. We see guys that kind of, um, you know, hit, hit the gas at varying points of their career, and, you know, he's a little bit of a late bloomer in that regard as far as his stuff kind of coming on a little later than some, um, you know, but again, um, you know, Reed, you know, just did a, just did a really fantastic job on, 
recognizing all these things and kind of staying convicted on him. I mean, we he had really strong reports on him from this year, but they, they weren't much different than what he had last year when he really kind of started to, to come on at that point. Well, when you go into when you go into that year, when does he sort of get on your radar? Obviously, a unique situation because of the Naval Academy commitment. But when you're when you're locking in on this kid, when does he? When do you sort of say, "All right, this is a guy that we really like his stuff. We like his makeup. If he's at the spot where we think we can get him, he is going to be the guy." When does that actually start happening in your mind? Yeah, really for us, it was it was mostly this year. Um, and kind of in retrospect, looking back, maybe we should have done a better job on him last year because Reed was really, he was really all in on him from, you know, from the beginning almost of his junior year when the first time he saw him. Um, you know, it was a different, there was a lot more kind of different level of uncertainty on, you know, what his commitment would end up being and what, um, you know what his interest even in pro ball at that time would be and we didn't have much history on him kind of prior to his junior year so this year was when it really kind of started to evolve for him and we began really getting aggressive as far as getting you know our cross checkers and our pitching people and you know I ended up going to see him in April and and that type thing so we um you know, we we kind of really got aggressive with him, and and you know, as as each person kind of came out of there just as impressed, he he really evolved in the end to being a you know a priority person for us to consider in the draft. You know, Mike, talking to him, he he was he go into draft day, and you hear all these draft day stories and and you know, these parties that people have and everything else, and he was he was pretty low key about it, and he he talked about. Really, uh, he said, listen, I went into it and said, maybe I won't even get drafted. And we're talking about, I mean, as I reminded him, we're talking about a Golden Spikes finalist, and everybody else is going in the top five, and we understand why that dynamic might be a little bit different. But, you know, he goes into that first day, and certainly he doesn't expect to be picked in the first day. He doesn't expect to be picked in the second day. I don't know if he expected it. They could go anywhere. I mean, where did were you were – you, did you have an idea where he was going to go, or was it just we went into it saying, hey, you know what, we'll just see how this thing unfolds? Yeah, I mean, I knew where we considered, you know, where we liked him. And and honestly, like, looking back, um, I, I couldn't imagine how I would have felt sitting here today, you know, knowing that another team would have taken him because we had such good reports on him. And I'm not even sure why we let him – you know, last as long as we did, because <laughs> um, we just we just felt so strongly about him. But we did, and we kind of, you know, the draft. Once you get past like the first forty or fifty picks, it becomes a little bit of a crapshoot, and that is just kind of tough to predict. I mean, you know, a range for certain people, and we kind of had a pretty good inclination he would go somewhere from like the third through the fifth. Um, but you, you never know. Um, and I, I, you know, knowing how much we like him, probably looking back in retrospect, we probably shouldn't have let him get even down to the fourth round. But, but, what, but would you say would you say that it was, was obviously one of the more difficult ones to predict, just because of the 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 factors that you don't usually have to weigh in in terms of the the naval commitment? Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. It's such a unique case and, um, you know, kind of difficult to measure what teams would even, you know, have interest or be willing to, you know, to take on the, um, you know, the uniqueness of his situation for sure. So when you saw him, you said you saw him in April, right? Yes. Okay. What what yeah. jumped out to you? Like obviously in in the last year or so it seems like his velocity ticked up, but talking to him today, you know, he he's found this change up too. He said that it really wasn't even a factor in in his collegiate career. When you saw him, what jumped out at you? Yeah, well when I saw him in the spring, he didn't have the change up and, you know, obviously was very impressed with his you know, his delivery and his fastball command specifically. I, I knew there was going to be good velocity. Uh, we liked his, his slider a lot, and he, he threw it quite a bit in college. It was a really – it is a really advanced pitch for him. When I saw him in Lowell, um, like I saw his second outing, and he threw two change-ups that night that were really very, very good pitches. I mean, obviously a very small sample size, but – Interestingly enough, I mentioned to him the next day, I said, you know, man, you threw some really good change-ups. And he was kind of, not puzzled, but he was kind of surprised with his response. And he's like, yeah, that's what that's what people are telling me <laughs> as, as far as his change-up. <laughs> and, you know, so like he just kind of, to be a, a kid that's had as much success as he has and as polished as he has in so many ways, he's... He's still a little bit of a ball of clay, you know, as far as his pitching development and, you know, in a very, very good way because the, the change-up is coming and, you know, I know he's he's kind of confirmed that he's learning a lot of things and, um, you know, it's certainly no disrespect to his kind of his career at Navy or anything like that, but they just have so many other commitments while they're there that um, – you know, maybe in some instances, you know, he doesn't have the time even to work on certain type, you know, third pitches or, or bullpen type settings or, or things of that nature. So, um, yeah, very excited about his, his change up as he can add that to his repertoire. It could really, you know, take him to even a, you know, a higher level. You know, the great thing is, you know, why there's obviously uncertainty in regards to his commitments and, and everything else, and, and even maybe there might have been some uncertainty in terms of level of play. Um, the things that you do know is that you get the kid who, when he hits professional baseball, he's going to be very, very regimented, not overwhelmed by the, the regimentation of a professional ball, which, you know, with some kids, I would imagine that's a thing. But as you say, that he, you are not going to have to worry about the character, and you're not going to have to be worry about the guy showing up on time and making his bed, I guess. <laughs> yeah, those are things I, I'm, I'm guessing we're not going to worry <laughs> a whole lot about him. I mean, he's, like you mentioned in, in the beginning, I mean, he's just such a, such a mature kid, and that just jumps out to you right away when you meet him and really when you just watch him go about his business. Um, I was standing in Lowell one night watching batting practice and, you know, kind of he was coming, I think a group of them had been lifting weights, you know, offsite or something. And, you know, most of the guys kind of typically just kind of walk back in and he was sprinting back across the field. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just a different mindset that, um, that you get and, and that he has. And, um, certainly, 
certainly wouldn't expect him to be intimidated or, you know, not working or, you know, those type things, which gives you a lot of comfort in a player kind of getting to their ceiling eventually, just knowing that there's that maturity and determination and perseverance that's there to to achieve whatever he sets his mind out to. Yeah, I felt bad talking to him because I'm like, listen, you know, you, you know, you're going to, you're doing things in life which which I can't imagine and 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 also as you know I asked him about all I have to base my my experience in terms of what you've gone through or what you're going through is of movies like Officer and a Gentleman and Top Gun and things like that and, and so it was good yeah. it was good though Mike he he I don't know if you if you lived through this era but he did say that like that how much Navy, the naval um, air, had gotten a boost from the movie Top Gun, which I was like, oh, good. I wasn't the only one that wanted to go jump in a plane and, and fly around. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um, But it, it seems like you found a good one. And uh, it must make you feel, listen, I don't know if you've got any downtime at all, but it must make you feel pretty good to just to see a kid out of the gate do as well as he's doing and i know that you know there's a ways to go whatever but for you for your perspective for your job must make you feel good yeah it sure does i mean that's kind of the goal which each draft is to bring in you know bring in talented individuals and um like you mentioned it's you know you you kind of sometimes have to pump the brakes a little bit about getting too excited in the first couple months but it's it's much better to do really well than than not, and he's certainly been um, he's certainly off to a good start and pitched very well so far. So, um, very happy and 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 just as importantly happy to have him as a part of the organization. And I know that he'll uh, represent us in a very very good light moving forward. All right, Mike. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Okay, man. Talk to you soon, Rob. So now that we've heard from Mike, you know, I think it's good to hear from Noah a little bit. And Noah talks a lot about, you know, he, well, first of all, he picks up right away talking about when Mike had called to let him know that the Red Sox had drafted him. And, and then he gets into sort of the process that he's going to have to go through. And really, it's, it's already an unusual situation. It's an unusual situation because you have this guy who is, is, is coming from a background where, you know, to give you an idea of what the Naval Academy is, as Noah explains it, you really are sort of in this insulated world where you can't leave the yard, as they as they call it. And it's, it's a gated community, and you don't leave. It's not like you can just go off campus at any time. It's a very, very structured, unique situation. So when you get into professional baseball, as Mike said, you know, this is, this is not the norm. This is, this is actually probably the best preparation that you could possibly get to ha- be on your own in professional baseball. But as this is picked up, Noah's talking about when Mike called him and he gets into the process of what he's going through now and, and of course, how fortunate he is or how fortunate he feels so far to get this opportunity, which he wasn't even sure he was going to get this opportunity, but certainly he's making the most of it. Kind of put me at ease a little bit about that. Um, obviously, it was going to come up later, as we all knew, but uh, for the time being, he just wanted me to enjoy the moment. 
And so how long were you able to enjoy the moment for? <laughs> uh, all of that night. I mean, uh, obviously the phone call started flooded from, you know, my agent, uh, family members, friends and all that. But it was all positive things. There was nothing stressful about it at all. Nothing? It was a big when sigh did, When did it get stressful? Um, I mean, probably, you know, two or three days later when I started to have to put in a little bit of paperwork to try to figure out if I was able to play the full summer um, and everything like that. So, but, um, but yeah, I mean, again, it was part of the job. Did I, you do, like, a lot of Googling? Like in Googling? terms, of, well, googling like in terms of like trying to find other examples of people um, in this situation. Yeah, well, for, I was fortunate enough to actually have the contact information for a lot of those people. Did you? Okay. Um, Mitch Harris, uh, Griffin Jacks from Air Force, and Luke Gillingham, uh, who was drafted in the thirty seventh round for us. So I actually had contacted all of them prior to the draft, try to get a little bit more insight and everything. Um, but it just seemed that my specific situation was just a touch different than theirs. Um, just because uh, I would be playing the entire summer as opposed to just 30 days of leave. Okay. So, so typically they, they just could be away for 30 days, I'd uh-huh. say. That's usually how the first summer goes. When did you get the the approval to play the entire summer? Um, that, I want to say well, that did, was, did that surprise you? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a pleasant surprise for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I you know, I I'd contacted a lot of people in the Navy, a lot of uh, people that were that had told me they were supportive of the situation but um i mean that that was very a very generous thing of them that they were able to uh allow me to play for the whole summer um and re reassign me to newport for uh my tad job up there um with naps so uh yeah i mean i feel i feel incredibly so what you explain that to me you just yeah. rattled off a bunch of letters <laughs> sorry sorry no 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 it's not your fault it's my um, fault yeah no so uh i originally was uh i had a tad a temporary assigned duty uh in annapolis maryland uh, which is where the academy was, but then since I was drafted by the Red Sox and they told me that they wanted me to play in Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, the Navy said we're we're willing to reassign you to uh, Newport, Rhode Island, which is where our prep school is mm-hmm. for the Naval Academy because it's within driving distance of Lowell. That way, I would be able to do both mm-hmm. uh, essentially. So, um, so yeah, uh, they gave me that news and it was great. So, what do you have to do? Like, how so do you- I've been checking in. Uh, pretty much weekly uh you know a couple like two to three days a week um just to make sure that uh i'm still you know getting my navy duties in um do you have to check like when you say check in do you have to drive down there absolutely you do physically yes oh you have to physically go (laughs) uniform really so how how often is that uh every week yeah every week week for a couple days at least okay Um, so you break off in between you starts here that's right that's That's it (laughs) and you go down there and you stay over and and that's right okay so you're getting it done absolutely absolutely Uh, i mean and i know that this is this is part of the conversation right Mm -hmm. that this is very important to you like we're you know we're tying ourselves in the knots to figure out how you can be a member (laughs) of the boston red sox but and i know that the the naval commitment isn't isn't just isn't it inconvenience it's Mm -hmm. it's something that you saw you knew was coming around and and you're all in on right absolutely so it's that said (laughs) that said so you go through um what you're going through now let's let's stick with you know we're sitting here the last year park um it's cool, man. Like, hey, listen, you were in co- forget Naval Academy, forget commitments, and everything. You were in mm-hmm. college, and now you're playing professional baseball. Yeah, right. You're doing really well. Like, is this what you thought it would be? First of all, uh, pro ball. Um, 
it's honestly better than I thought it was. Is it really? Uh, I think it's just because there's a lot of people that, that give you some seriously low expectations about minor league baseball, but I think the boss, at least Boston's organization, uh, treated us very well, treated you know our whole team pretty well. So I really have no complaints. Um, I only have positive memories from this summer and you know this uh, time going into the fall. So there's a, you know, it's just it's been a great experience. And even if this was my last time playing baseball, I would be very content with it. That's insane to think, though. <laughs> So the last person we're going to hear from is Nick Green. Nick Green is the pitching coach for the for the Little Spinners, Red Sox, Single A, short season affiliate. And one of the things that you know you come away from talking to Noah and then listening to Nick is how much, and also hearing Mike talk about this as well, is that not only did they seemingly uncover this pitcher who you know slid way too far in the draft. Um, has seemingly just kept getting better and better and better. But they uncovered a pitcher who has this pitch, and, and Mike referenced this, this changeup, which is, you know, this is a difference maker. This is, this is the pitch that's a difference maker in professional baseball so far that he just simply didn't use in at the Naval Academy. And, you know, it's funny. You're going to hear a comparison Nick Green talks about when he sees Noah Song pitch, how he views him. And it's a powerful, powerful explanation. It's a powerful example. It's a powerful comparison when you hear what he has to say because you know you could just say, oh, well, it's a fourth-round pick. Yeah, it's a nice story. It's a Naval Academy, whatever. But when you hear him offer these comparisons, you'll, you'll get an idea of what we're dealing with. And I want to reiterate, like, this isn't all these people, you know, they are excited about Noah Song's future. Noah Song's excited about his future. But the one thing that you take away is that everyone's dug in here. Everyone is dug in in terms of the reality of the situation. If it works out, this is going to be a very promising young pitcher. If it doesn't, as Noah Song points out, you know, this isn't two plan A's. But anyway, it, I think that it's it's a pretty good picture that is going to be painted here as you listen to Nick Green, the Red Sox short season Lowell Spinners affiliate pitching coach. So, Nick, when you got to see Noah Song, well, first of all, you hear about Noah Song and you hear the first thing that jumps out for us, all of us, is Naval Academy and all the hoops you have to jump through and everything else like that. Do you immediately go to see what his whole deal is, or do you, as a pitching coach, do you say, hey, you know, listen, you know, I'm just worried about the pitcher, the here and the now, or how do you approach that situation? Well, the biggest thing is each individual that comes in, no matter who it is, we want to know the background so we can know about them being personable, you know, not just baseball, but just to form a relationship. You know, you got to earn their respect. But uh, knowing that he was a naval guy, a Navy guy, Obviously, I knew I would have no issue with for us the respect and the worth ethic. And uh, in the first day of, of meeting Noah, just it was what, what I expected. It was yes, sir, no, sir, thank you, and, and it was it was ideal. But no, Noah has been great, man. He's a model citizen. Mom and dad did a great job of raising him. Uh, respectful young man, works hard, and uh, he, he's been great. Have you been around anyone like that? Because that's what I was talking to him about about how you know he's 
he's used to people making their bed. He's used to people keeping a clean locker. And you probably see all, not only playing, but coaching, see all sort of these kids are slobs and everything else. Had you ever seen anybody that regimented just because of his background? Uh, it, it's a rare breed. I say that it, it's rare. Like you say, you meet different guys, and some guys look at their lockers. It's just straight slop, you know. But uh, for sure, yeah, he's definitely he's organized. He he ta- he pays attention to detail and, and everything you would expect from a, from a military guy. Had you ever um, had you ever been around? Um, I guess did did you have any history at all with sort of that? mindset that mentality i don't know if you have any military history in your, in your family or if you knew had any friends who went into the military or anything along those lines yeah you know i, I know a lot of matter of fact my, my stepdad who, who pretty much was in my life until i was 12 years old you know he was in the military and just having friends and, and other family members that was in the military I, I know that when it's go time it's go time it's an on and off switch you know um so he i haven't Especially from a coaching standpoint, I haven't come in contact with too many players like that, but I've definitely come across But it must be cool as a coach. I mean, this is, I don't want to say a dream, but it, it makes things a whole lot easier. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, you have to, you don't have to worry about, is he going to be on time? Is he going to show up? Is he going to, you know, do what he said he was going to do? So it's just, like I said, just the way they, obviously I haven't been in the material myself, but just from the outside looking in, you would expect everything noise so. how does it work now he was talking about he has to go to newport sort of in between starts so how does that work from your perspective well the biggest thing is uh you know the farm director ben crockett he he's on top of just everything with the communication back and forth from the navy uh noise is pretty much it's not we don't go in detail obviously from a, from the day one we established the whole respect of what he has to do with his commitment with the navy so you know he's kind of like one of those things hey Puts out of the schedule. He, we know when he has to leave, when he's coming back, and like I say, we just both sides been working together. So has he been better than you thought? Ah, uh, I, I tell you what, I'll say this. Coming in, I, I know that I know it's your job to basically right. keep these guys humble and, and say it's a work in progress. Right. So coming in before I actually met him and seeing his stats and his resume and the golden spot, you know, finalist for that, the expectation was high. But seeing him, I tell you what, I never forget. After throwing, watching his first bullpen in Batavia, I was like, "Wow!" You know, and it wasn't just the the velo; it was just the command, everything. You know, so from day one, he got my attention, and uh, from from that point on, man, he he's been it's been great to to watch him throw, man, just to to see him. You know, at this level, we're kind of we're hands off. You know, especially for the new draftees. We have a X amount of days rule where we can't touch these guys. So the main point of this summer is to get these guys acclimated to the pro level. And uh, just to, even though we're not so much hands-on with him, he's made strides, man. You know, so he's, he's been great. One of the things he said to me, like, was he said, I asked him, I said, listen, you're strike, striking out a crap load of guys, right? So what has been the biggest difference? He said, like, my changeup works. Right? I mean, he's like, my changeup didn't work this well when I was in college, but it's working well now. Can you see that? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, he can tell you, too. Um, so after his first bullpen, I said, man, that's a pretty good pitch. And he did not believe in it. A couple outings, a couple bull minutes later, hey, man, you, you believe in it yet? Nah, you know, it's a couple more outings went by. I started getting some more swings and misses with the changeup. I think it was maybe two hours ago after, you know, after a, a bullpen session, I said, you you believe in it yet? Yeah, I, okay, I'm starting to believe in it now. So, like I said, and, and that's part of it. Like, it's one of those things where 
you can say one thing to a kid, but until he sees the results themselves, that's when they start to believe in it. So you can say, hey, that's a good pitch, but until he sees the results in the game, that's when they start to believe in it. And he's seen that with his changeup. So. Well, so what's he, like I said, my unscientific way of phrasing it was a crap load of strikeouts. What's he striking out these guys on primarily? Uh, he mixes. You know, it's not just one pitch. You know, he uses his fastball. He uses his slider. He uses his curveball. With the changeup, all, all four, man. He's, you know, it, it's not this is his out pitch. You know, he just goes off of what him and his catcher want to do with, with a certain game plan. And uh, so it's not, it's not necessarily just one pitch. Is it hard? Is it hard to... Like, we all, this is what we do. I told him, this is what we do. It's like, how can he get past the Navy to get into, because he's that good. He's been that good, and he has that much potential, especially from your perspective. It must be hard not to, to do that, to say, hey, listen, whatever makes you happy. For us, what, what, what do you mean? So in terms of whatever makes you happy, um, if you go to the Navy and that's your life, that's cool. But from your perspective, to see a guy with that much potential, you probably were like, can we power through here to get him to the major leagues? Right, right. Well, I guess from, from my end, like I said, going back to square one, you know, we, we got to respect you know, his commitment to the Navy. Um, obviously, it's, that's something that, you know, just having a brief conversation with know that he takes a lot of pride in and he wants to, you know, certain things that he wants to accomplish with them. Um, so... I wouldn't say dig too deep in that from that as point, but obviously from a baseball side, for sure the potential is there. He has a guy gifted um, arm, and you know he, he definitely has the potential. The last question is: Does he remind you? This is this is a cheesy question. Does he remind you of anybody? Oof. There's a name that comes off the top of my head, but come on, I don't want to make any comparisons. No, we're not making. We're not saying that. This, listen, I talked to Brian Bannister, and he said right. we're talking about Tanner Houck, right? right? So. He said, you know what his arm angle is? He's a right-handed, um, oh, man, now I'm now I'm, Chris Sale. He's a right-handed Chris Sale, like sort of, same sort of arm angle. We're not saying that this guy is going to be right, that guy, right, but right, right. If, it, if it makes you feel good, just <laughs> So I had the pleasure in 2015 to work with Michael Kopech. That's an elite arm. That's the most, that's the least arm I've ever worked with. You know, at that time he was touching 100, I think, since he moved on with the White Sox, he went to 105. Like you said, not saying he's going to be or whatever, but the first time I stood behind him, it made me have flashes of Kopech-like fastball. Like I say, I'm not going to say this kid going to throw whatever, but... But Kopech threw... Kopech threw a little. I mean, velocity-wise, maybe I'm wrong. He threw a little bit harder, but is it? But that doesn't mean it's not the same sort of fastball reaction. It's just the whip. Okay. The, the way it comes out of his hand. You know, you see some kids like he's barely throwing. That's 98. And then you see some kids, and as soon as it leaves his hand, you like, you know, that that exploded in the mid. So just just the whip, just the way it just comes out of his hand, and just. I'll stop there. That's good. That's good. I get it. Hey, Nick, I really appreciate you, you yeah. jumping up on board. Yeah. No problem. No problem at all. So I hope you guys got a good uh, idea of what we're dealing with with this kid. You know, like if you go and you do these podcasts with these young players, and and listen, it's not easy. Like you know, I, I, it, when I go up to Noah and say, "Hey, have you ever done podcasts?" and no, well, it's not a surprise. A lot of these guys are out of college. When they wouldn't be doing podcasts. And but it's good to sit down with them as much as I did to get a conversation to get them to know better, get to know them a little bit better. 
and, and but in this case, it really was unique. I've sat down with a lot of minor league players, and a lot of it's the same. It just is. It's not their fault. A lot of it's the same. They're they're almost drilled to be these these guys who are a little bit nervous, got to say the right things, all for the team, so forth and so on, blah blah blah. And Noah's you know Noah's like that as well, but. The story and the discipline and the mentality and the approach and the genuine love for baseball, but also the genuine love for being in the military and serving his country, that's something that just isn't going to come around every day. So between the performance, between the athlete, and between the personality and the approach, I thought it was a, a great opportunity to sit down and talk to this kid. So I appreciate Noah coming on. Once again, please, please, please subscribe on iTunes to The Bradfoe Show. We're doing this. We're dropping it every Monday. We're dropping it every Wednesday. Subscribe. Leave a review. If you leave a review, I don't know how you can't leave a positive review because we've been rolling. So keep it going. Keep up the attention. We'll keep up the Twitter account, Donuts. We'll keep getting the interviews that you want. If you have one that you want to do, if you have an idea for a podcast, tweet at us at Bradfoe Show. So, you know, just just do it. We're all in this together. We're here to entertain. We're here to inform. I hope we did both of that with this podcast today. Thanks to Noah Song. Thanks to Mike Rickard. Thanks to Nick Green for joining us. We'll see you next time. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. An office party resulting in a half-million-dollar lawsuit. Human remains on display in a hotel ballroom. Just two examples of the stories we'll be digging into on our new podcast, Something Offbeat. I'm your host, Mike Rogers. I've always got an eye out for stories that leave me wanting to know more, and I think you will, too. So join me for Something Offbeats on the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get your podcasts. Home to all the jaw-dropping moments. Home to all the best plays in the league. Home to your favorite players from the cities you love. MLB.tv is the home of streaming baseball. Home or away, catch all the MLB action this season with live and on-demand content across all your devices. Enjoy MLB Big Inning, select pregame and postgame coverage, and an expanded library of highlights and content. Never miss a moment of the action with MLB.tv. Stream every game from every team all season long with MLB.tv. Blackout and other restrictions apply.